You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events to get free and periodic updates to this program and our other interesting programs. Be sure to enter your email address in the subscribe to WHTT box on the right side of our website, whtt.org. And now, ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to talk about a little theology here, uh, Christian theology, and it has to do with labels. Everybody, I think, is kind of human nature, likes to label people one way or the other. And if that particular person that they're dialoguing with has a label that they've given them and it doesn't agree with their theology or views or whatever, then they can basically turn off whatever that person says. And we've been talking about neo-Christianity in the form of Christian Zionism. So be sure to listen to our previous podcast entitled The World's New Religion, Christian Zionism. And this is a form of neo-Christianity, neo meaning new. And one of the things that we've noticed, actually, it was an incident that came to my mind. On Sunday, I met a, a lady in church there, and we were talking, and, and she knew we had a common friend who had been in a Bible study with her for, for years, and uh, she made the comment that he was a replacement theology guy. But otherwise, he was a very nice, friendly guy, but she threw this caveat in that he believed in replacement theology. So the question is, what the heck is replacement theology? And I thought maybe we'll start out, we'll try to answer that. Craig is going to give us some Bible verses that we can, when you look at the subject, there's three broad varying views. The concept of to a Christian Zionist or dispensationalist the idea of replacement theology is repugnant. So it's almost like it's a pejorative type term. It's like calling somebody an anti-Semite where they're, they've got some kind of prejudice. Craig, why don't you give us some biblical verses for us? All right, Tom. So thank you. First, I wanted to make it really clear to everybody here that I personally believe in replacement theology. I know this is going to be a shocking statement to you guys, but I, I want you to know that after I've been doing a lot of the biblical research on this topic, and you know, and I, I don't believe that there is any better way to interpret the Scripture and be faithful to them than to embrace replacement theology. Now, follow along with me here. I'm going to be reading some passages that have, have meant a lot to me as I've been doing this study. Okay. First, Matthew 3, 7. But when he, John the Baptist, saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Matthew 5.20 For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 8.10-12 When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from the east and the west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
Matthew 23, verses 13 and 15. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourself nor allow those who would enter to go in. Matthew 23, verses 29 through 35. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Woe to you. You build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, If we'd have lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in the shedding of blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up, then, the measure of your fathers, you serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Mark 2.22 and no one puts new wine into old wine skins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wine skins. Romans 9, 6-8 But it is not as though the word of God has failed, for not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham, because they are his offspring, but through Isaac your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. Ephesians 3, 4 through 6. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Hebrews 10, 5-10. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, quoting from Isaiah here, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God as it is written of me in the book of the scroll of the book. When Jesus said the above, you have neither desired nor had taken pleasure in the sacrifice of offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. He added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. 1 John 2, 22 and 23. For who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Last scripture, Revelation 2, 9. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich, and the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not but are a synagogue of Satan. So with all the scripture, I hope you can see why I've, I've joined the following replacement theologians. John the Baptist, Jesus, Paul the Apostle, and John the Apostle. The, uh-huh. theology, that, the theology that they all replaced was the corrupted Jewish rabbinic teachings of the first century, 
which were later codified into the Talmud and the Kabbalah. What they replaced those errant doctrines with was the truth and message of God's holy word. So in a sense, yes, I'm a replacement theologian too. But on the other hand, if by replacement theology, one means that the church has replaced Israel as God's chosen people, I would have to reject that notion 100%. God rejected the corrupted Judaism in 70 AD, but not until the believing Gentiles had been grafted in to that holy root of the historic people of God. Today's uh, Christian Zionists use the term replacement theologian, like you said, Tom, as a pejorative term towards any Christian who disagrees with them, which to me is ironic since the ones who have deviated from the historic Christian faith and have elevated the current state of Israel are these guys. They've elevated Israel to a place that has no basis in biblical Christianity. One writer that I've read recently has stated this about Christian Zionists, that they've elevated an opinion about end-time events to the point that that position supersedes the commands of justice, peace, and compassion. So there, there you go. Okay, well, thank you, Craig. That was well-spoken. And, of course, we're dealing with some semantics here. I want to quote from Dr. Rob Dalrymple's book, These Brothers of Mine, A Biblical Theology of Land and Family and a Response to Christian Zionism. We've done an interview with Dr. Dalrymple and his book, and we were highly recommended. And I think there's three different opinions, and Craig is saying he's in the replacement theology camp, but I think you're really more in the fulfillment camp here. But let me just read from Dr. Dalrymple's book. He's talking about, first, there is a position that has become popular in the last century that sees a radical distinction between the Old Testament Israelites and the New Testament church. This viewpoint, which Richard Pratt terms separation theology, but is more commonly known as dispensationalism, understands Israel and the church as two separate people of God. In line of thinking, God has two different plans, one for ethnic Israel and another for the New Testament church. Israel is conceived of as the earthly people of God who are to receive an earthly land in the millennium and beyond. On the other hand, the church is the spiritual heavenly people of God and they will receive a heavenly inheritance. Many within this perspective contend for a strict literalism reading of the Bible, especially when it comes to the designation Israel, though it varies how literalistic adherents of this position are. Virtually all are unanimous when it comes to reading Israel. They demand that any promise to Israel must be fulfilled by ethnic descendants of Abraham. Now he goes on here, second, there is a much maligned view that likewise sees a radical distinction between Old Testament Israel and the New Testament church. This viewpoint, which is known as replacement theology or supersessionism, contends that the Old Testament Israelites, because of their rejection of Christ, have lost their favor with God. This, according to this view, they have no standing before God, either now or in the future, though 
proponents of this view do not exclude any Jewish person from the possibility of coming to know Christ. And then uh, he goes on, the third, there's a viewpoint that suggests that the Old Testament people of God, Israel, and the New Testament people of God, the church, are together the one people of God. This view, which Pratt designates unity theology, though I prefer the designation fulfillment theology, contends that there is neither separation or replacement between the two peoples, that is the promises of Israel in the Old Testament are not abrogated, put aside or annulled, but fulfilled in Jesus and extended to both Jews and Gentiles as the one New Testament people of God. This view stresses that the people of God have always been defined as those who are chosen by God and have faith in him. And so, you know, we see with the dispensationalists, the chosen people are the Jews. What you said, Tom, I I hope you understand that when I said I'm a replacement theologian, I was really saying that tongue-in-cheek because obviously we here, uh, we hold these truths, definitely take the fulfillment position on that. And I find it very ironic that when you stand against the current mindset, you're labeled as a heretic or something. And that's what happened to Jesus. As he was preaching a fulfillment totally a fulfillment prophecy and uh, the promises of God taking place through him at that first century. The Jewish establishment came down all over him, called him, uh, you know, you cast out demons by the yells above and all this stuff. They tried to diminish him in any way they shape uh, they could. And, you know, for us, going against the evangelical Christian Zionist church, they throw out all these pejorative barbs against us, like these ad hominem attacks. If you can discredit the person, then you can ignore their ministry and their, and their words. What's interesting, I came across a Christian Zionist site, and it's, the article was entitled, What is Christian Palestinianism? And they would label us as Christian Palestinians, in a contrast to Christian Zionists. So we're the, obviously, if we're not for Christian Zionists, we must be Christian Palestinians. And so um, this article was really interesting because he puts out his whole thing of why he's a Christian Zionist and why we're screwed up. And as, as he's putting out, I'm listening to this guy, I go, wow, you're really presenting our case in a very well-documented well, well way because your position really can't hold water. You're having to cherry-pick scriptures out of the Old Testament because there's nothing in the New Testament that supports what you read, Tom. You know, there's no position. You can't create an ethnic state of Israel out of the New Testament. And Chuck, something that you've always said is how they've hijacked the name Israel. And that adds some kind of credence and authority to their existence, but it has no basis in fact. A very good point, Craig. Chuck, you had some interesting research that you did looking up this replacement theology. Uh, yeah. Why don't you give us a little report here? Well, I, I think Craig has done such an outstanding job of laying this out from strictly from Scripture that there's not a lot left to be said. But what is very clear in taking a look at this whole subject, I'd never really thought of this very much, but the term replacement theology is a, a negative slam. Uh, Craig used another term for it. Essentially what it is is, a, is an effort to discredit it. And I looked, took a look at Wikipedia's definition of replacement theology, they defined it as supersessionalism, 
also called replacement theology or fulfillment theology, uh, is a Christian doctrine that has a parallel in Islam. And they, they go on to point out this idea of, of adopting Palestine as part of Christianity, which, of course, Christians don't really do. And among the books published on this are many with very inflammatory titles, kind of aimed at to Craig, uh, refuting what Craig would say, I guess. One of them, The Evil History of Replacement Theology, an oh. illustrated history of the, of the church's dark and shameful treatment of the Jews, published in 2016 by one J.P. Sloan, Ph.D., The Coming Apocalypse, a study of replacement theology versus God's faithfulness to the end times. So here's again the implication that this lacks, is trampled on God's faithfulness toward the end times. Another title by Dr. Reginald Showers, God did not reject his people. The identity of Israel in Paul's letters to the Romans chapter 11 implies Christianity rejected Jews. We do not want them to convert because they are outside of Jesus' kingdom. So here is an effort to paint Christianity as being so anti-Semitic that we don't want Jews to become Christians. There are a number of other books. I'll not go on with this, but... If you look, read through the uh, kind of books that are being published, there's a very desperate effort to refute the New Testament scriptures that Craig has read to us. Essentially, they're saying for us to believe this is anti-Semitism. And uh, two or three of the books that I didn't mention were written by rabbis. They have, have equally inflammatory titles. God did not reject his people. Another, Roots and Branches, a source book of understanding of the Jewish roots of Christianity, replacement theology, and anti-Semitism. So this also written by another rabbi in 2011. So Craig has laid it out very well for us, and I think it's something that we just have to realize that when you have a thin argument or no argument at all, and you're trying to make a case, as these books that I've presented are, they generally resort to inflammatory statements, name-calling, and, of course, the raising the term anti-Semitism is the oldest book in the trade. So, so much for the books, and I think a real lesson just to look at what is being published about this subject, and I think Craig did a great job. Well, Chuck, in your reading from Wikipedia, of course, anybody that goes to Wikipedia needs to realize that it's not the gospel, they threw in fulfillment theology in with replacement and uh, supersessionism. So they kind of lumped them all together, and as we've tried to explain, there is a, there's a difference in arguing that uh, fulfillment is so well argued in Dr. Dalrymple's book here, These Brothers of Mine, and what Craig covered in his reading of Scripture there, we need to consider what we read. Certainly what you gave us there from these inflammatory books, you wouldn't have to read the books to, to know what's going on there. They're not uh, rare examples. Very typical of what's being written by the people who are trying to make them out as, as carrying a traditional view. Yeah, Chuck, when you read that thing from Wikipedia, they lumped also the view, this is a view in Islam. See, they tried to 
you know, anybody that would believe in fulfillment, replacement, any of that, so you're just the bad guys, or you're like the uh, the Muslims. And when I hear the Christian Zionists, theologians talking, they get very condescending, you know, like talking about Len Hybels uh, from the World Great Church, and they say, you know, let's pray for these people that they'll come to the truth and that they'll have an understanding the Holy Spirit will, will you know, bring them out of their darkness and deception, you know, and it, it's this condescending attitude towards people who disagree with them. Well said, Ray. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcasts. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small think big, and press on towards the straight gate.